This is the Bible in One Year Express, Day 17. Five Ways to Fulfill Your Potential In life, many people do not reach their full potential. We can become so caught up in the everyday that it's easier to continue in old patterns rather than change. Yet we all have a God-given desire to live to our full potential. Perhaps you remember this celebrated biography, Solomon Grundy, born on a Monday, christened on Tuesday, married on Wednesday, took ill on Thursday, grew worse on Friday, died on Saturday, buried on Sunday. That was the end of Solomon Grundy. For some people, that just about sums up their life. And yet all of us feel deep down, there must be more to life than that. Jesus says in effect, yes, there is. The potential for every human being is great. Jesus wants you to live a highly productive life. He wants you to produce a crop a hundred, sixty or thirty times what was sown. The minimum is a thirty times multiplication. The key to that potential lies in your relationship with Jesus, a relationship that can be as close as that of a brother or sister or mother. You can live a life of real purpose that can make a difference to the world because of what you receive from him. Your potential is not about being driven by ambition or success. It's about recognizing who you are in God. As you seek him and live your life according to his purposes, you will bear much fruit. The more you begin to fulfill your God-given potential, the more he entrusts you. He wants you to live a life of abundance. The potential for Israel was very great. God intended that Israel would not only be blessed, but also be a blessing to other nations. You have the potential to live a life of even greater blessing than those you read about in the Old Testament. Jesus says, Blessed are your eyes because they see, and your ears because they hear. For I tell you the truth, many prophets and righteous people longed to see what you see, but did not see it, and to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. Jesus warns that although there is great potential in each of us, there are pitfalls ahead. How can you avoid the pitfalls and fulfill your potential? From Psalm 10 In their arrogance the wicked revile the Lord. In their pride the wicked do not seek him. In all their thoughts there is no room for God. They say to themselves, nothing will ever shake us. They swear, no one will ever do us harm. First, possess humility. In his book, Finding Happiness, Monastic Steps to a Fulfilling Life, Abbot Christopher Jameson defines pride as self-importance. He writes, Humility is an honest approach to the reality of our own lives and acknowledges that we are not more important than other people. The psalmist goes on a journey from feeling that God is far off in times of trouble to a realization, as we will read tomorrow, that God certainly does see trouble and grief, does listen to the cry of the afflicted, and does defend the fatherless and the oppressed. In fact, it is the wicked who seek to make themselves distant. Your laws are rejected by him. They think of themselves as more important than others, especially the poor, whom they draw into their net and crush. These verses tell us about the pitfall of pride. When things go well, it's tempting to say, nothing will ever shake me, no one will ever do me harm. 
we can be tempted to feel that we have no need of God. In their pride, the wicked do not seek him. In all their thoughts, there is no room for God. It is easy to become arrogant and boastful. This psalm warns us against doing so and reminds us of our need for God. Lord, keep me from pride, arrogance and self-importance. May I seek you with all my heart, remembering that I need you and that you never forget me. New Testament from Matthew 12 and 13 While Jesus was still talking to the crowd, his mother and brothers stood outside wanting to speak to him. Someone told him, Your mother and brothers are standing outside wanting to speak to you. He replied to him, Who is my mother and who are my brothers? Pointing to his disciples, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he scattered the seed, some fell on the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places, where it didn't have much soil. It sprang up quickly, because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered, because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop, a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Second, pursue intimacy. Some dangerous cults have twisted the words of Jesus to teach that becoming a Christian means severing relations with your family. This is not only dangerous, but it's also unbiblical. The fifth commandment is to honour your father and your mother. In the New Testament, we're told that anyone who does not provide for relatives, especially for immediate family members, has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Yet Jesus shows here that there's something even more important than your relationship with your own family. Your supreme calling is to an intimate relationship with Jesus, doing the will of the Father. Jesus says, whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. His words speak of intimacy, permanence and acceptance, a relationship at the deepest possible level. You can have this amazing closeness to Jesus. Stay close to him each day and you will fulfill your potential. Third, put down roots. The highs of spiritual experiences are very important. But if they're not combined with deep spiritual roots, there's a danger of shallowness which can lead to falling away. Be aware of this pitfall. We can all fall away in our hearts, even while we're doing the right things. Jesus talks about the seed that falls on shallow ground. It springs out quickly but withers because it has no root. Later on, he'll explain that the person who has no roots lasts only a short time because they fall away when trouble or persecution come. Your spiritual roots are the parts of your life that no one else sees, your secret life with God. This includes your prayers, your giving, and your thought life. If you want to fulfill your potential, make sure you develop deep, strong, and healthy roots in your relationship with God. Fourth, protect your heart. It's so easy for people to be distracted by the busyness of life. 
Many things can fill your life and push out time for God, church and other ways in which your spiritual roots could be developed. Again, this is a danger for us all. Jesus warned about thorns that choke the plant. Later on, he explains that the thorns are the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth. Father, thank you that you call me into this intimate relationship with Jesus. Help me to put my roots down deep and to keep my eyes fixed on you. Help me to guard this relationship and never allow other things, even good things, to crowd in and choke my life. Old Testament from Genesis 34 and 35 So Jacob said to his household and to all who were with him, Get rid of the foreign gods you have with you and purify yourselves and change your clothes. Then come, let us go up to Bethel, where I will build an altar to God, who answered me in the day of my distress and who has been with me wherever I've gone. Fifth way to fulfill your potential, purify yourself. In this passage, we read a warning of the danger of escalating revenge. One terrible crime, the rape of Dinah, led to another. The retribution was not proportionate. The people of God attacked the unsuspecting city, killing every male. They carried off all their women and children. The result was a disaster. Jacob says, You have brought trouble on me by making me a stench to the people living in this land. We're few in number, and if they join forces against me and attack me, I and my household will be destroyed. The actions of Simeon and Levi are roundly condemned for their violence, ferocity and cruelty. Revenge was not just a pitfall for Simeon and Levi, it's a temptation for all of us. When I'm offended, I want revenge. In the Old Testament, retribution was limited by proportionality, life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth and so on. Jesus sets and by his death and resurrection makes possible an even higher standard in your relationships today. Forgive and love your enemies. Joyce Meyer, who often speaks of the terrible abuse she suffered as a child, writes, Have you, like Dinah, ever been an innocent victim? I can assure you that even in the worst circumstances, God gives us grace to forgive so that we can go on with our lives. Jacob said to his household, Get rid of the foreign gods you have with you and purify yourselves. God appeared to Jacob, renamed Israel, and said, I am God Almighty. Be fruitful and increase in number. A nation and a community of nations will come from you. The potential is great. As Rick Warren says, in ministry, private purity is the source of public power. This is true for all of us, whether we're operating in the family, the workplace, the community, or the church. If we want to have a powerful impact for Christ in the world, We need to be people of purity. Lord, thank you that the potential for my life is vast. May I produce a crop 30, 60 or even a hundred times what was sown. Pepper adds, Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble, cries the psalmist. God often seems distant and not there when difficult things happen. Yet in Genesis 35.3, Jacob says, God who answered me in the day of my distress and who has been with me wherever I have gone. Although sometimes we feel he's not there, he is. 
God has been with us wherever we've been.